0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You're listening to the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. If you want to get in touch with the show, email us at illegalmotionpodcast at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at illegal underscore motion. Thanks for downloading. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. Back in Los Angeles, I'm the professor, Matt Perkins. And joining us from Nashville, Tennessee, it's our offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton.
1: Man, what's going on? Uh, excited for a, another edition of the College Football Illegal Motion Podcast, uh, or the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast, I should say. Um, excited that we get our road warrior back in his um in his the comforts of his own home that's Matt Perkins and uh you know excited for another action packed show
0: definitely it was uh, it, it was it was a pretty crazy weekend we'll definitely be uh breaking down some of the some of the big games from it but uh we'd be remiss if we did not uh introduce are the third member of the Three Amigos in the Second City, a man who can easily explain the difference between freestyle and Greco-Roman wrestling, <laughs> our
2: blogger, Josh Cook. Hey, yeah, I just real, real quick before we launch into our usual t- topics and fun, I just want to take a second to say that we stand with our brothers and sisters in Paris right now. Uh, it it really struck me over the weekend because it kind of made me think about uh, 9-11 and how one of the things that I liked Shortly after that was we got back to baseball we got back to college football our family um, went to the Penn State game right away the, the first game back as part of it was to a little display of saying that you know terrorists were gonna scare us from doing what we wanted to do and that's what the people of France need to do and uh, one good story from it was a uh, a Muslim security guard prevented further loss of life when he caught suicide bombers so um, you know, more people of that faith need to to stand up because it's a small minority that's perverting their religious texts. And it takes a diseased mind to hate another human being just because they have freedom. So, uh, if there's anyone in our tiny podcast world that listens to our show that was impacted by France, the actions in France, I just want them to know that the three of us are anchored by it. We stand with them, and they are
1: our oldest allies, so we got their back. Absolutely. Well, just a quick note on that, Josh, uh, is actually, you know, I have a, a really good friend of mine has family that, that lives in downtown Paris. Uh, I visited them, uh, with them, stayed in their apartment. Uh, you know, Paris was an amazing place to visit. Uh, the people there were, were great to me. So, you know, you hate to see this type of thing happen, and uh, just know that with this uh, rapidly growing, hopefully rapidly growing uh, Illegal Motion podcast family. We are with the people in Paris and uh, all across Europe that suffer from terrorist attacks. Absolutely. yeah. You guys yeah and
2: are- I mean, uh, there were numerous displays of the French flag, which I thought was great. And, and none was more poignant than our own army football program running out with the U.S. and the French flag together. I thought that was great.
0: That was really cool. Yeah, you guys know that France is... Uh... France is a very special place for me. I used to live there. I've spent a lot of time in Paris. And so, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's heinous what, what what happened. And, you know, you know, just like to echo everything that that Josh said there. So, but, um, you know, political commentary is going to be for um, our, our, our sister podcast at some point. But today we got (laughs) to go back to college football. It's the illegal campaign. The uh, (laughs) uh, 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 illegal campaign funds. Yeah. Um so yeah, we can uh, we, we can do that at some other point, get to talking about uh, you know, uh, Bernie Sanders, Donald Trump's reaction to that. But we need to we need to get back to the to the issue at hand for us here on our little podcast, and that is obviously talking college football. And so as always we talk uh we start with our quick slants and uh Josh,
2: you're up first. Oh, well, uh, strangely, I'm not talking college football for my quick slant. Um, I just wanted to bring up an awesome event that I got to attend on Saturday before the Iowa-Minnesota football game, and that was the uh, grapple on the gridiron. Uh, So Iowa and Oklahoma State in the 90s set the all-time NCAA record for attendance. Uh, They did it in Iowa City because our stadium was a little bigger than Oklahoma State's. And uh, a couple years ago, Penn State put on a good event with Pitt to, uh, to take that record from us. So Iowa kind of upped the ante and said, screw it, we're going to have an outdoor wrestling meet in Kinnick Stadium. 42,000 people came. Uh, the entire end zone, was every seat was filled. And down the 100-yard grandstands, about two-thirds of it on either side was filled as they put the mat in the corner end zone. It was awesome. Uh, that shattered the previous NCAA record. Iowa got a little mini upset. Oklahoma State was number one. Iowa was number three. Um, so they'll probably be the number one team now in the country. And uh, Okie State has the most titles in wrestling history with 34 of them, but only uh, seven since 1975. Iowa is the second most national titles with 23 all of them coming since 1975, so it's a really unique rivalry. It was a blast. Uh, strongly suggest people check out their collegiate wrestling programs because they're really fun to go to.
1: All right. Yeah, it sounds fun. I mean, you know, with uh, one of the greatest wrestling programs of all time, who wouldn't want to go see that?
0: Absolutely, yeah. I, I remember, Josh, you and I, when we were undergrads, took uh, had a pretty awesome weekend following the Wisconsin wrestling team. Oh, yeah. When we went to Evanston for a Friday night wrestling meet, Saturday to watch Wisconsin beat Iowa in Carver Hawkeye, which never happens on Saturday night. Then watch Wisconsin play Iowa in basketball Sunday. Um, after having a few too many adult beverages, yeah. so uh, you know,
2: you know, I don't think Iowa has lost at home since that meet. Um,
0: that that wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> um, so, well, uh, let's get uh, from, from from the from the wrestling mat to the uh, to the gridiron. Uh coach, what do you got for us today?
1: Well I got a series of uh of quick screens here for you. Um not not a not a bunch of quick slants. Uh unless we take some of these to the house. Uh would would be remiss uh as as our resident SEC guy if I didn't mention Gary Pinkle resigning uh on Friday from his coaching post due to health concerns, uh been diagnosed with cancer. So uh Gary Pinkle, we uh you know, we're behind you as well. Hope hope he beats it. You know, He's a, he's a great coach. Missouri's going to have a tough time replacing him. Um, you know, he's done a lot of great things for that program, including winning two SEC East titles, um, coming in as a newcomer the, in, in this conference. Uh, the players are going to miss him. Uh, the university is going to miss him amidst all the drama they have going on. So Gary Pinkle, great coach. Uh, another note, uh, Keenan Reynolds, big shout-out to him, broke the FBS record for career touchdowns. Uh, he, he now has 80 in, uh, in Navy's big win this weekend uh another thing uh louisiana monroe fires coach todd berry after a 1 and 9 start to the season uh that the apparently the administration does not like the direction of the program that he's taking them into and then uh last but certainly definitely not least want to give a shout out to uh, former father ryan standout a guy that I coached in my time there his name is andrew rector is now suiting up for the Vanderbilt Commodores. He's a true freshman this year, uh, getting involved uh, both on defense and in special teams. He had one tackle, one assist for the Doors in their 21-17 victory over Kentucky. And one of those, uh, one of those scores was set up by his block punt early in the game, uh, gave, the, gave Vanderbilt uh, possession deep in Kentucky's territory, set up a score. So he's doing big things in his freshman year. Hope he continues it. Uh, he's going to have a, looks like he's going to have a pretty bright career there if he keeps it up, stays healthy and, and does to he's doing the weight room, very proud of him. Uh, and, and he was a pleasure to coach at what during my time at father Ryan.
2: Probably has a few brain cells too. If he's going to Vanderbilt.
1: Yes. Yes. He will, uh, he will have a job and he will likely probably at 22 years old, probably be my boss at some point. So, uh, going to get a great education, uh, He's in a good spot at Vanderbilt. Uh, very proud of him, nonetheless. Yeah, the Doors have uh, had, a, had a little bit of a renaissance in the last couple of weeks, haven't they? Yeah, they've really grown up as a team. Uh, I think Derek Mason's doing a, doing a, a pretty good job of just kind of keeping them, uh, keeping the expe- expectations tempered for them. I mean, they're extremely young. They were decimated after James Franklin left. And last year they were pitiful uh, this year. They've looked pitiful at times, but you know defense is playing stellar since Derek Mason took over play calling. They got to figure out the offensive side of the ball, but uh, you know it's it's coming. You know they got to find a quarterback, a couple of key playmakers on that side of the ball, and you know they, they they'll be competitive. But you know they just got to they've got to change kind of the way that they they've, they've got to approach things a little bit differently in, in recruiting. They've got to kind of they've got to kind of come up with a plan uh, because of the nature of their school and, and what they're dealing with. They have to adjust and, and try to recruit a lot like, a lot like he did at Stanford. So, you know, going to be interesting to see how, how, how it all shapes out. I think he's doing a, I think he's doing a much better job this year. I I think you can kind of see the direction this program is going. You can kind of see slowly, but surely they're not there yet, but slowly, but surely they're, they're, they're getting up there. They're creeping up there. So, uh, you know yeah
0: definitely it's, it's really you know it's I, I think a lot of their progress has really been on the defensive side of the ball and like you said coach ever since mason started doing the defensive play calling they are they're a different team I and mean, we saw you know they went toe-to-toe with florida who's you know one of the best teams
1: in the east there they went toe-to-toe with georgia i mean they've given everybody fits that they've played against i mean they they caused let's see they caused two turnover or three turnovers um this week against Kentucky, they they had two fum, they had a fumble and uh, two interceptions uh, on defense. They had a special teams play. I mean, they 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 play hard, they play physical. They're just not very talented right now. And
0: well, I know I they're not game. talented. It's just that they're they're young and they haven't that talent hasn't had a chance to mature. I think that's because right. the they've obviously brought in some. Some pretty good players in the, in their last couple of recruiting classes. Not as big as when they had Franklin, but Mason shown that he can recruit, you know, relatively well. Um, you know, given the academic constraints that
1: you have at Vanderbilt, so. and the financial constraints too. I mean, you know, they're 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 definitely not running like a like a top notch SEC team just because they don't have an athletic department uh, or anything like that. A lot of the a lot of their money, a lot of their revenue goes back into the university, which for the university is good, but. You know, if you want to if you want to grow a football program, you gotta kind of let them grow a little bit, and I think that's kind of the difference. But you know, as soon as their administration gets it, you know, they will. You know, I think that they'll understand eventually that um, Derek Mason is going to build them into a winner, and hopefully, they'll give him support. But you know, if, if he just keeps recruiting uh, and, and getting the guys that he needs. Uh, They can blossom into something. I'm not going to say that they're going to immediately jump out and win the East by any stretch, but, you know, they're certainly not going to be an easy win. Um, And then, you know, they might jump out and get a few. And, you know, once every 10 years they'll be in the race. I don't know.
0: I think that two years from now you can definitely see them, uh, you know, being a contender in the East. I think that, you know, it wouldn't surprise me to see them, Florida, and Tennessee fighting for the East crown. In about two years from now, but we'll get to that um, on episode about 246 of the Illegal Motion podcast,
1: um, as <laughs> our, right our now, fans will chime in by the uh, by the dozens to uh, to t- to talk about the East the SEC East race. But for now, Matt, get into your quick slant.
0: Well, my first quick slant, um, you know, my only quick slant, I should say, for today is to talk about the pac 12 because. You know, my my question, which I'm gonna which I'm gonna have you guys answer here in just a second, is that, um, you know, where does the Pac-12 go from here? If you you know, if you didn't know, this past weekend, Stanford gets upset by Oregon, so now there, uh, you know. They're knocked off, and they're now 8-2 and two overall, 7-1 in conference. They're pretty much out of the national title picture. Utah loses a double overtime game to Arizona, 37-30. to 30. Crazy, crazy game. Utah, who was number 10, they're probably knocked out of making it into the – Uh, the national playoff, UCLA, which had been sort of, you know, they were ranked 19th uh, coming into this week. They get beat by Wazoo and not even just beat by Wazoo, beat up by a backup quarterback. Um, You know, Luke Falk was down early in that game in the first quarter. You think, okay, UCLA is going to roll. Paul Perkins is running all over the place, but uh, you know, the pirate man pulling, pulling tricks out of uh, pulling, you know, tricks out of that hat, out of that crazy pirate hat that that he's got. Um, USC almost loses to Colorado. Uh, you know, you know, Arizona State and Washington play a really weird game uh, down in Tempe. And I guess my question for you guys is, A, who's the, who's the best team in the conference? And, B, wh- where does the conference go from here? Because they're clearly not going to have a team that makes the playoffs. So I guess I'll throw that to you first, Josh.
2: Oh, well, I think the best team is – Till Stanford, personally, um, it's just we knew that Oregon healthy is a good team, and Vernon Davis looks like he's back healthy and Vernon stuff. Adams. So or Vernon Adams, yeah. So um, you know, it was a it was a tough loss, but Oregon is still a good team. USC is still a good team, even with these losses. I think to me, it tells me that the conference has a lot of B teams and a lot of C teams because even Colorado has gotten a lot better. Uh, really, Oregon State's the only team in that conference that you think of as, you know, pencil in the W. Don't even worry about it. Yeah, um, Colorado
0: didn't even have a lost their starting quarterback in the first quarter against USC
2: and nearly wins. Yeah, so, I mean, I think that the conference just doesn't have an elite team right now. And we've seen, um, you know, we've seen the Big 12 go through that. We've seen the Big 10 go through that. We've seen the ACC go through it. And it's just the Pac-12's turn right now. These things are cyclical. Uh, watch them in two or three, four years have, you know, six teams ranked in the in the polls and be the uh, the favorite conference. Because, uh, I mean, it's just, they got, you know, Stanford's probably a B-plus team. And then, you know, Oregon's like a B-team.
1: And, that just happens. Yeah, got a lot of middling teams. Yeah, I mean, there, there's it's it's a weird conference right now, and uh, you know I, I agree with you. I still think Stanford's number one just because the physical brand of football that they play. Um, you know, I'm just going to give you my four best, and then everybody else is just kind of in a pile underneath that. Um, I think I think Utah is your next best team uh despite losing two games i still think that any given day they can they can uh line up and and uh and beat you uh usc is is my third best team i i think they're you know i think they've improved tremendously since you know since they got rid of the mess with sark i still think they're they're probably the most uh, from top to bottom, they're probably the most talented. But um, right now, they're 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 only third best in in, in their talent versus their level of play. And um, honestly, I think Washington State has jumped into number four as of right this second. Um, I, I think they're they're on fire. They're red hot. Um, you know, they're just. They're playing way above their heads now. They'd probably be in the, in the pile underneath this on a regular basis. But as of right now, i, I got to give the Cougs and, 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 the, and the Pirates some love. They're, they're playing some really good football right now. And, and I don't know. Maybe they can – I don't know if they can sustain it. I don't know if they can sustain it over two or three years and, and become a uh, perennial player in, in the Pac-12. Um, I'm not – I'm still not sure who the pretenders and contenders are um, long-term. Um, but for this year, those are my four best in the Pac-12. Well,
2: I think Wazoo's going to sustain it, and I think they might be the favorite to win the North next year. Luke Falk's only a sophomore. Yeah, I mean, that's scary. That
0: is
1: absolutely scary.
0: It is scary. I mean, obviously, Oregon always reloads. You know, they had – they had a couple of hiccups in the, earlier in the year. They lost that tight one to Michigan State. They, their defense was not looking good, but it's starting to come around. I mean, you know Oregon's got athletes, and so, you know, that, that scares me. But, Corey, like you said, USC is definitely the most talented team in this conference, and so, the, I mean, this, this Oregon-USC game this weekend is going to be a lot of fun. Um, you know, neither of these teams might be ranked, but they might have, it might be the two teams with the most talent in this conference. And so I'm expecting to see some fireworks there. Um, you know, obviously, we might get into that during the previews later this week. But, you know, I mean, right now, yeah, I think you still have to say that Stanford's the best team in the conference. But I would, I would quite frankly put Wazoo at number two. They're playing as well as anyone else right now. UCLA is a tough team. I know they've been hit by a lot of injuries. I obviously have a small bias towards maybe bigger than a small bias towards UCLA, considering they're my employer. But, um, you know, I just... This wa- this Wazoo team really, really fascinates me. I think or- uh, Oregon can still play with anyone. They showed that this weekend. Uh, they went toe-to-toe and beat Stanford. Yeah, it was in Austin, but it was still... Um, you know, it, it was still a, a real close game. Re- uh, you know, really a really fun game to watch, quite frankly. And Utah, you know... Utah, yeah, you know, they, they they lose a tough one to Arizona, but it's not like Arizona doesn't have any talent. It's not like Arizona doesn't have a good coach, you know, so I don't know. It's uh, uh, you know, so who's the best team in the conference right now? It's still Stanford, but the gap is definitely not as big as it, as it was maybe two weeks ago.
2: So, and... Well, let's, let's give some love, too, to Washington State's first-year defensive coordinator, Alex Grinch. He's got the it has got that defense playing really, really well. And I'm going to go on a limb and say this is the best defense I've ever seen Mike Leach have. Oh, I, I don't
0: think it's even close, quite frankly. Those Texas Tech teams never had defense. Um, right.
1: And, and it's pretty easy for your uh, sophomore stud to, uh, to feast when your defense is giving them opportunities. I mean – you know, he's really done a good job of hiring a good defensive staff. And, you know, you're, they're just making plays right now. They're playing hard. They're making plays. They, they've got confidence and they believe in themselves. And, you know, a lot of people, you know, they people shrug that off. But, I mean, that goes a long way. I mean, you, you get a team full of, you know, full of – I mean, I, I'm not going to go out and say that they're the most talented team. They're probably the best team and the and the least talented in this conference and and uh, and, and confident well, outside of Oregon State.
0: Oregon State is clearly a level below everyone else.
1: Yeah, I mean, but I mean, let's be honest. Is Washington State, if you look at the, uh, you know, if you look at the talent level, do you think it's, you know, they're not very. I mean, I, I wouldn't consider them a deep team. I wouldn't consider them. You know, I'd consider them right there above Oregon State talent wise. But the difference is coaching, and they're. You know, Washington State is getting, you know, ten times more out of their, out of their players than Oregon State could ever dream of right now, and 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 that's that's been the difference: confidence, coaching, schemes, and then guys playing above their heads and believing in themselves. I mean, that's you know, goes a long way. And then they'll start to kind of recruit better within their own home state. They'll, you know, it, it's a process. You know, it's a process. And Mike Lee's going to build his team up to where they're going to be. You know, it. it, it the more success they have, uh, they're gonna they're gonna keep building this thing, and absolutely,
0: uh, absolutely. you know, and, and if I'm I don't know. We'll have, to, we'll have to get into the recruiting a little bit later in the season. Um, for now, though, we gotta, we got to go to another team that's playing with a lot of confidence and move into our play action, and that's Oklahoma. You know, they have a huge win in Waco. Game day was down there, and, you know, Baker Mayfield just absolutely goes off. Four touchdowns, looking like a potential Heisman candidate. Um, what, what do you think of Boomer Sooner
2: there, Josh? I think you said it pretty well. (laughs) You know, huge road win. Baker Mayfield playing great. Uh, You know, that was the big question mark coming into this year is, uh, for whatever reason, Trevor Knight just could never keep it going from that bowl game where he torched Alabama. He just completely regressed, and it was just like the, the playbook had to be so simplified for him. They got rid of their passing attack, which Stoops used so well at the first few years of his career, winning a title, winning uh, Heisman with Heupel. And it was just like everything got stale there. They changed the offensive staff. Uh, Baker Mayfield comes in, and it's just like it must feel like such a, a weight off the shoulders for that defense, for Stoops to know that, they've got an offense that can finally keep up with these battles.
1: Yeah. I mean, this, this game was, was an ultimate, you know, statement for the big 12. I mean, they have three teams. I think that can, you know, and I, I think Oklahoma's they're starting to solidify themselves as, as, or not solidify themselves or they're starting to regain top dog status in the conference that they, that they had dominated for so many years. Um, you know, this was, this was a very entertaining game to watch. Baylor didn't go down without a fight. You know, freshman Jarrett Stidham stood in there through a pair of touchdown passes to, to shrink the lead. Um, you know, he stood in there. He he, he passed for 257 yards with two, two touchdowns and, unfortunately, two interceptions. But, uh, you know, you, you can't overlook uh, Samaj Perrine or however you say his name, Samaj Perrine. Samaj, a- Samaj Perrine. Samaje Piran, there you go. He he rushed for a buck sixty six, two touchdowns. Um, you know, you got to look at that one uh, that came midway through the third quarter. They're up by seven right now, and they're in a, they're in a battle. Uh, he found a seam and just absolutely. I I've, I haven't seen him run like this all year long. You know, and he just shot through that seam up the middle, outran the safeties, destroyed any angle any tacklers would have had on him uh, for a fifty five yard touchdown run. Um, that was probably the most impressive run that i 've seen from P Ryan all year long, so uh, oklahoma they 're getting better better and better each week um, it 's just starting to prove that that Texas loss was more of an anomaly than than the way of life for the for the sooners and and good for big game Bob he takes a lot of heat. Uh, from fans, you know his his name, Big Game Bob. He certainly wasn't, he certainly didn't live up to that name last night because that name comes with uh, a bit of sarcasm. Big name, Big Game Bob. You know that that's a sarcastic. Well, at first, shot at him.
0: I think, I think Big I think, Game Bob actually meant that he won the big games, but recently, yeah, you're right. It's been much more of a sarcastic It's
1: been, it, it's gone back to the early meaning of of Big Game Bob, uh, more of a. More of a, oh, here we go. We're back. Uh, and, and, of course, you guys touched on Baker Mayfield. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I was still impressed with the with the true freshman Jarrett Stidham. I think, you know, he kept Baylor in it the whole way and and, and really just, you know, didn't allow them to quit. And, and it was a very exciting game to watch, to be honest with you.
2: Well, I think one overlooked thing, too, is if Baylor had won out, they were going to make the tournament, I feel like, no questions asked. Yeah. But – so I'm not indicting their strength of schedule up to that point because they still would have made the tournament. So Art Riles is right in terms of that. But I do think it's harder to go undefeated without getting tested a little bit. I mean, you look at the team they scored off against, Oklahoma. They had a battle at Tennessee. They were battle-hardened. They knew what they had when the chips were down. Look at Iowa. You know, they played pit. Iowa State, both power conference teams, you know that helped them when they had that dogfight in Wisconsin. On down the line, Ohio State had to play at Lane Stadium. You know, Baylor playing at SMU, that doesn't battle test you. Playing Lamar, yeah. that doesn't battle test
1: you. You, you uh, can't look at any you can't look at any championship contender and not see one of those battle-tested uh Games, you know, every team is going to be tested at some point. You know, Alabama losing to Ole Miss this year. Um, they also struggled in a couple of games to get started. Uh, they're not struggling lately. Um, you look at Notre Dame losing, losing a close one, a tough one to Clemson, who's number one. Clemson, you know, being tested surprisingly by Syracuse this weekend. Uh, they're certainly going to get all they can handle in North Carolina next uh, this coming week. But you know, every team you look at has gone, you know, through the years has gone through that, you know, same thing. Every team that's won a championship has had those games where they were lucky to they were lucky to survive it. And those great teams survive those type of games when when everything stacked against you. So. And
2: I I just think it's harder to overcome that when your toughest test is the ninth week of the season. I'd I'd rather have a little bit of a you know, pull your pants up, look your teammate in the eye type game in the first month or so.
1: Yeah, I mean, Baylor definitely would have had a better chance at winning this game had they had one of those earlier in the season. And, uh, you know, maybe that did hinder them. I don't know. You know, Oklahoma has certainly been – they've certainly been through the ringer this year. Um, You know, I think think if you look at their Texas loss, it's more of a – it's more of a – I don't want to say emotional letdown, but it's just more of a, you know – they were exhausted after you know, after some you know, some tests that they had, especially the Tennessee game. So, you know, you look at that and maybe that affected them, you know, but who knows? Uh they're they're playing they're playing some really good football, and you know we'll talk about their uh, we'll talk about their counterparts here in just a minute with uh, with Oklahoma State. But oh
0: yeah, we'll 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 be getting to them in a minute. But uh, first, uh, we want to talk about the game that you were at, Josh. Um, yeah. So, so tell us what you saw uh, at uh, at Kenneck Stadium with Iowa. You know, holding on to beat um, to beat the Golden Gophers.
2: Yeah. Um, well, first of all, Iowa never trailed. In that game, uh, which is something that Michigan cannot say, um, just just throw it out there. I mean, the, the like,
1: go like the, go- the dig right there.
2: Yeah, oh, I mean, no, no the, the Gophers are a are a really pesky team. Um, what they do matches up really, really well against what Iowa's defense likes to do. So um, ever since Jerry Kill got there, this has always been a tough matchup, just based on how the X's and O's work. Uh, Minnesota does a lot of motion action. They almost always have a guy go past the quarterback in a shotgun. So then their plays kind of turn into not a true triple option, but in a sense they can hand it to the guy in motion, they can hand it to the running back, or Leitner can keep it. And it's just something that not any other team in the Big Ten does. So it's it's hard to kind of game plan for in a week. And the last half of the season, you know, Mitch Leitner must have found some new Gatorade or muscle milk or something because he's having a tear throwing the ball that he's never had in his career. So it suddenly makes that offense a whole lot scarier. Uh, but the thing that impressed me was Iowa's offense was absolutely on fire. They had uh, their most yards of the season. They had 506 yards, 10 of 15 on third down. 234 through the air, 272 on the ground. Uh, they, They ripped off big play after big play. It was pretty impressive to see. And the nice thing is, and I was telling my dad this as we left the stadium, I was like, we've had a game where our offense didn't show up at all. And our defense bailed them out, and that was the Wisconsin game. Well, here we are later in the season. We have a game where our defense just was not in it and our offense bailed them out. And I'm not going to say national championship. I'm just going to say championship teams with aspirations, be it a division, be it a conference, be it whatever, they're going to have these games where one side of the ball just struggles
1: and the other side has to pick them up. And that was what happened in Kinnick last night. That's football. I mean, you know, that's you, you look at any team, that you know that's the case. You, know, you, you, you can't do it every week. You know, teams are going to game plan against you. Teams are going to, you know, I don't know. There's just it's a weird phenomenon, but you know, there's very rare occurrences where everything just lines up perfectly in a matchup of this of this caliber. You know, Minnesota's not not a slouch of a team. You know, they're they're just. I mean, they just got into a bad matchup with Iowa. They just didn't match up well with Iowa. Um, Iowa's offense was absolutely on fire. Um, and look and. You know, you look at it, five oh six. C.J. Beathard completing sixty nine percent of his passes. You know, you know one of his concerns coming into this season is whether he could protect the ball. He was eighteen of twenty six for two thirteen. Um, not like an overly stellar day for the quarterback, but um, you know, the, the rushing attack is, is is a lot what carried this offense. Um, Sean Daniels, twenty six carries, a buck ninety five. Scored three times, average of seven point five per carry. I mean, you know, just like you said, just big play after big play, just getting chunks of yardage, and, and that's what you got to do. And, and the stat, one of the stats that impresses me the most, they had thirty-five minutes and thirty-two seconds of time of possession, and uh, and yep. no turnovers. And there and there was no turnovers from either team in this game, which is. Uh, which yeah. is Pretty rare, but uh, holding the ball for 35 minutes and not having a turnover or not forcing a turnover is pretty impressive, you know, and, and, and that just shows that this Iowa Hawkeye offense is growing up. Uh, the defense, you know, they'll be back next week. They'll, you know, they'll come through at some point in, in the stretch run of the season. They've come through before. They'll come through again. Offense will come through again. Special teams will make a big play at some point. You know, it's, it's a team. You know, it's, it's a team game for a reason. And and I really, you know, I really like seeing, you know, games like this where you finally one side of the ball that has been struggling or maybe, maybe they struggled last week, they come and turn it on. Um, but, you know, I, I like this Iowa team. They're getting better each week. Oh, they absolutely are. And, like, I mean, Desmond King, guy we talked about going into the game.
0: He didn't, you know, he didn't have any exceptions this week. But another big kick return from him, uh, I believe,
2: that set up a score. Is that right, Josh? It did. It did. And actually, um, I only counted about three throws to Mitch's side of the, or to Desmond's side of the ball. There's, yeah. another Iowa, there's another Iowa player named Mitch King who I have his jersey and stuff. So, well, number forty-seven, former defensive tackle yeah i always I always confuse it even though they don't play the same position uh they their careers haven't overlapped in any way. One is a big honking huge white dude, and the other is this gangly great black defensive back. they don't look alike they don't play the same position they don't like I don't know why I confuse them, and they don't even wear the
0: same number but you know no. Uh, but yeah, that that was a, that that was a great task for Iowa. I mean, we all know that Minnesota is a you know is never an easy out on, in the Jerry Kill Tracy Clay's era, if you want to call it that.
2: Yeah, I mean they gave they gave TCU their toughest game. They gave Michigan a game they should have won. They played the you know the Buckeyes really tight, and uh, Iowa survived, survived in advance.
0: They're surviving advance indeed. I mean, as a Badger fan, I'm kind of scared of them in the last week of the season. I'm not going to lie. But we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Uh, let's move on to
2: uh, the – Well, actually, one last thing I wanted to say, and Coach did a great job of bringing up that Red River shootout. Rivalry games are hard. And I'm not sure people realize this so much because Minnesota and Wisconsin played the last week and the Big Ten has forced Iowa and Nebraska to play the last week, which is dumb.
1: But Iowa and Minnesota, those are their biggest rivals. Oh, yeah, Yeah, absolutely. There's two teams involved in these rivalry games. You know, I'm really looking forward to Bedlam now because Oklahoma State and Oklahoma are playing at such a high level. That's going to be a fun game to watch. Stay tuned.
0: Yeah, it definitely is. It definitely is. Well, uh, before we get to uh, the other half of Bedlam, Okie State and their win um, in Ames, uh, let's first uh, talk about what happened in the American Conference. And Houston, or should I say Houston, gets a squeaker over uh, over the – Over the Memphis Tigers, I know, uh, Ashley, I know it was a real disappointing loss for you. Uh, Disappointing loss for all of us who love the American Conference, which I am a complete convert. And I I was surprised to see uh, Houston play so well in this game, especially after Greg Ward Jr. went down in the second quarter. Um, Kyle Postma really showed me something. Uh, Coach, what did you think of the backup?
1: well i mean i I thought he had a lot of guts in him to uh to bring Houston all the way back um, you know they you know seeing this score you know growing in favor of Memphis early on was was kind of surprising that it was starting to become one sided but you knew that that Houston was sitting there laying in the weeds as soon as they figured it out they were going to get it you know uh they they were down thirty four to fourteen in the fourth quarter i mean you know I, what can you say? I mean, Kyle Postman just comes in and 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 just and just gets it done. You know that the this is the exact definition of next the next man up theory. Uh, very impressed with that. Um, Parker Lynch, twenty of thirty-one, two seventy-eight, two touchdowns, and a pick. Um, yeah,
0: they, it's the the odd, pick from Paxton Lynch there.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a surprisingly low output for him. He's usually lighten it up. But uh, Memphis outgained the Cougars 490 to 392. You know, 90, they outgained them by 98 yards. Uh, They turned the ball over twice and that was the difference. But um, I don't know. I mean, I'm starting to become impressed with this Houston team. And, uh, you know, something is to be said that they they were able to hang on and take the punches and and just, just work their way back. They were patient. Um, it looked like their conditioning was a lot better than Memphis's, um, which is probably the reason why Tom Herman gave the game ball to the uh, strength and conditioning staff. Um, he really gave big uh, big credit to them. They were able to hang on and, and, and get it done and get it done when they needed to. So, you know, well, this is, as we talk about, a battle-tested moment for, for the Cougs. Definitely, yeah. yeah
2: I mean, when, when we previewed the game, um, we said Houston's defense – was going to be the X factor because they they were such a high-rated defense, which kind of caught us off guard because uh, they they hadn't had the hardest of schedule up to that point. So it was kind of like, are they putting up these numbers because of who they're playing or were they putting up those numbers because of who they are? I think we realized they were putting up those numbers because they're a legitimately good defense. When you look at that the comeback, uh, Memphis scores to make it 34-14 from there. Houston gets a touchdown, and then the defense comes up with a takeaway, the fumble. Houston turns it over on downs with nine and a half minutes to go down, two scores. That's a chance for the defense to kind of pack it in and be like, oh, crap, that was our chance. Instead, you know, Coach, you brought up the Paxton Paxton Lynch interception. Houston made a play, found a way to get the ball back. Houston scores. Then the defense forces another punt, and Houston scores. And, I mean, for a great offensive comeback – you gotta get some stops and by God they got some stops there in that fourth quarter.
1: They definitely Rocky Balboa uh, their victory. They they took a pounding in the first three quarters, first three and a half, three and three and some change quarters. I mean they took a pounding. They had probably two black guys, their nose was bleeding, a couple of teeth were knocked out, they were they were wobbling, and they just needed that one punch to get back in it, and, and they made it. They made that punch. They got the fumble, they got the stop. They got the pick, you know. They the defense stayed with it, rallied and made a play, and that was that was that was incredible, uh, incredible job that they did of not letting their previous three quarters really affect how they played their fourth quarter. They never gave up, they never quit, and it just shows that if you just keep playing, keep playing, keep playing, no matter what the stats are for the first three quarters, if you can come up with some takeaways and give yourself chances to win, then. It will happen, and it happened for them. And and good job for Kyle Postman for for coming in and, and, and finishing it off for for the Kooks.
0: Absolutely, yeah, Josh. Real quickly before we get to Ohio State versus Iowa State, uh,
2: Tom Herman is he gone? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, probably yes. would be my guess. Um, I, mean, I think the, I think the I think the thing that might save him, honestly is if the Big 12 gets left out <laughs> again, yep. and they call Houston, they'll be like, "Hey, I don't have to move, and I've got a power conference." Yeah, well,
0: yeah. If if, if if the Big 12 calls Houston and Boise State, um, that might be uh, that, that might be an interesting choice for those two athletic. So-
2: so, College Game Day will probably be going –
0: College Game day's already announced that they'll,
2: they'll be in, in, in East Lansing. No, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm saying in a couple weeks, week 13, it's probably going to be in Stillwater if those teams keep winning because it's Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. And um, it's
1: better, folks.
2: Yeah. And, but I just want to give – if either of those Oklahoma teams stumble – Houston and Navy
0: that, play that week. That could be a game. That could if, be a real game.
2: Yeah, if if Navy is ten and one and Houston is eleven and zero, that would be fun to see game day downtown Houston with the the middies coming. That would be a fun game. That would, be abs- that, that would be
0: such a fun game. And, I mean, obviously that's the last week of the regular season. I'm going to doubt that they would be there. Uh, oh, but actually, you know what? That's not going to happen because that's a Friday game.
2: Oh, is it? Well, I don't have my calendar in front of me. Yeah, no, I've got my
0: calendar in front of me. That's a Friday game. So, unfortunately, that would not happen. But that would be fun.
2: Well, but, I know what I'm doing. I'm, I know what I'm doing that Friday.
0: Yeah, you and me. Oh, that's Black Friday. So, uh, I'm definitely not leaving the house. Uh,
2: yeah, I'll watch, I'll watch the Nebraska game, Nebraska-Iowa, and I'll watch some uh, some American Conference football. Sounds like fun. Well,
0: uh, let's move over to Houston's potentially future conference in the Big 12. Uh, where... <laughs> Just
2: spreading rumors. I love it.
0: Hey, man, you know, that's what we do here at Illegal Motion. Um, Oklahoma State needed uh, a small miracle uh, to, beat, uh, to beat the Clowns in Ames. And I, you know, what? I, we might have to retire the name of the Clowns, Josh.
2: No, they're three and seven. You can keep it. Uh,
0: fine, I, I know, but that uh, th- that performance by Paul Rhodes' Squad was really, uh, you know, they dug deep for that one.
2: Yeah, well, you know, uh, not to to be too snippety, but Iowa never trailed the Cyclones as much as Oklahoma State did, and they beat them by more points. Okay. But that's that that you know was that game was that game in Ames too. It wasn't Ames. Oh, but no, nah, I'm just getting my my ammo out there for if any uh, if Oklahoma State jumps Iowa or something. No, but no, Ames is Ames is a very sneaky, difficult place to play. Uh, way back when we talked about the Iowa State game, I think I brought it up that the renovations at Jack Trice look beautiful. It's surprisingly the third largest stadium in that conference now, and despite historically awful, awful teams, the people in the center of the state come out for their Cyclones. They love it. They don't care if they're winless. They don't care if they're in contention for a division title, which has happened a few times uh, about a decade ago. But, no, that place is packed. Uh, it's it's a sneaky, tough game. And kind of a matchup thing that I was talking about with Minnesota-Iowa – Oklahoma State struggled with Iowa State before. You know, they lost as the number two team in the country a few years ago. So so Paul Rhodes' system just kind of trips up the Cowboys. So uh, a gritty road game, and hats off to Mason Rudolph, who had one hell of a game.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, you gotta look at JW you gotta look at JW Walsh too. I mean, he was yeah. integral part of the uh of the comeback as well. Well, I mean, and,
0: uh, you know, coach. Just a quick aside before you get into talking about that. I think that the, the Rudolph J.W. Walsh combo might be the best, uh, uh, you know, QB, uh, you know, two two quarterback system we've seen since Chris Leak and Tim Tebow.
1: Yeah, I mean, it really is. I mean, it's it's impressive because those things those things never work. I mean, the old saying goes: if you have two quarterbacks, you really don't have you really don't have one. And uh, you know, it's. It's working for them. It's working for Mike Gundy, um, who's a man, by the way. And, uh, I, you know, I, I like this Oklahoma State team, to be honest with you. I, I was rooting for I, – I never, to be honest, to say that I had any doubt. Um, I had a little bit of doubt when it became 31-14 or 31-17. And, uh, and then I was like, wait. They're going to come back, I and mean, they just score too quickly. They're going to come back. They're going to do it, and they did because it's Iowa State. Um, they, I, I don't think they knew what to do with a, with a lead that big, to be honest with you. You could kind of see as you were watching. You could kind of see Iowa State just clenching up. You know, it's just starting to – you know, you could see it taking over. You could see Oklahoma State calmly just moving the ball down the field, calmly doing what they do. You know, there was no panic from the Cowboys there was all kind of panic from the Cyclones you could kind of see it in their body language that they they were just unsure if they could hold on to that lead and you know there was a look that little bit of doubt crept through and bam there you go
0: yeah I mean uh yeah. I mean that was I, it's exactly like you like you put it coach so I mean this Oklahoma State team you know I I had them with my dark horse coming into the year and they've been they've been persevering they've been you know going through all the hurdles in the big 12 and you know they will have bedlam here in a couple of weeks but man this has been uh, one uh you know this has been one, one heck of a, a crazy ride for them but uh we, we got to keep moving forward here um and uh talk about you know our last uh, play action of the week and that is our Kansas um beating over a beating up on a hungover LSU squad uh you know um Uh, you know, they were able to hold Leonard Fournette to 91 yards and one touchdown. Uh, We were kind of expecting him to go off after being bottled up by Alabama last week. So, I mean, Coach, this is your confidence. The Hogs, you know, looking like a contender again.
1: Yeah, I mean, too little too late. But, I mean, sitting at 6-4, and they're a team that I don't want any part of right now because they are – you talk about being on a hot streak. You know, Arkansas, Washington State, are two of the hottest teams in the country right now that started that started poorly or, or that you didn't expect. I mean, they were picked to finish last in the West and, you know, near the bottom of the overall conference. You know, the same with Washington State, you know, in, in in the Pac-12. You know, they're a team that really started gaining some confidence now. Uh, they You know, they've played physical the whole way. You know, Alex Collins is being the stud that everyone thought he was going to be. You know, he's improving his draft stock. Uh, you know, Brandon Allen had a tough day, but he didn't, they didn't really need him. You know, Alex Collins had 16 carries, 141 yards, two touchdowns. He had a long of 80 that just kind of – his 80-yard touchdown run was, was, was that run that LSU fans looked at and said, uh-oh, this is going to be a long night. Um, and it was, and it was for them. Um, uh, another story I want to touch on, a recruiting story – Uh, from last year, 2014 recruit named Jared Cornelius. He's from Shreveport. LSU said, uh, thanks, but no thanks. We're not interested in your services. He said, okay, I'll go to the Razorbacks. Maybe they'll take me. They took him. um, And the Razorbacks were clinging to a 10-point lead. Um, And LSU was starting to kind of feel good about itself. This is the point where you might see LSU kind of turn it on a little bit. No, he took he took a ball he took an end around about seventy yards, scored a touchdown, and said, "Oh yeah, you remember me? Yeah, I'm from I'm from Louisiana. I'm doing it. I'm doing all this for Arkansas." Sealed the sealed fate for LSU. Uh, the game was never the same after that. Brandon Allen, nine of 16, 141 yards and a touchdown and a pick. Not an overly impressive night for him, but again, not needed. Uh, The defense had. It seemed like the Hogs had every answer for Louisiana Louisiana State for for LSU. Leonard Fournette, 19 carries, 91 yards, and a touchdown. Oh, Louisiana State—that's their name technically. Yeah, but nobody refers to him as Louisiana State. But Leonard Fournette had 19 carries for 91 yards. But don't get it twisted—he he he got those runs in small pockets. It's not—it was kind of like a hitter going three for four and scattering those hits and not really doing much. Not really making much of an impact, uh, except for on the stat line. Uh, Malachi Dupree had an impressive night, all for not eight catches, 109, and a touchdown. Uh, Brandon Harris, 21 of 35, 271, a touchdown and a pick, but was really, again, those stats were scattered over over the course of a game. Didn't really make too much of an impact. Um, yeah, it didn't really feel know.
0: like it didn't really feel like uh, the Bayou Bengals could really sustain anything at all. It felt no, like looks and spurts
1: yeah they couldn't they really couldn't and, and you look at the total yardage um 440 to 330 uh you know they killed them in the passing game but uh arkansas rushed for one yard short of 300 um versus lsu's 59 yards rushing overall that's that's and uh that's including sacks and everything um, but uh i mean it was it was a head scratcher for sure uh it it definitely let me know that arkansas is here to play uh, they're not to be messed with. This will, this will, it's not going to increase their chances of winning the winning the SEC West by any stretch. I mean, they can't.
0: Um, I mean, the SEC is already set in stone. The title game is going to be Alabama, Florida.
1: Yeah, it is. Um, but what they're going to do is they're going to get a better bowl game. They're going to get some positive momentum. Maybe get some recruits. You know, maybe Bealman's not doing such a bad job there. Maybe maybe fans are you know starting to come around on him. So on um, Burt well, on <laughs> big old Bert, man. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what's going to happen here. Um, you know, Cody Walker had – I'm looking at the stats right now, looking at the box score. Cody Walker had 17 carries for 88 yards. He had one more carry than Alex Collins, um, and he had 88 yards. So uh, getting it done in the rushing game, which is not surprising by any Brett Bielema-led team, you know, you guys know with with your teams up at Wisconsin. So, um, very impressive for the hogs. Uh, gotta, gotta leave you wondering if you're LSU, what, what, what's happening now has, you know, is the time up for less miles? That'll be a question they have to evaluate in the off season. Um, you know, that, that can be a, uh, that can be a black Monday discussion for us. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's
2: um awesome. I mean, I, I
1: you guys did a great
2: job breaking down the game. I, I'm just going to say that I wasn't surprised in the slightest. I picked Arkansas in my pick em league. I thought LSU was one-dimensional back when we did our preview show, and you, you kind of see how dumb some of these rankings are, how LSU was 7-0, and but when you break down their wins at Mississippi State, who is an okay team, but, I mean, they just got crushed by Alabama – they killed Auburn, who we know what Auburn is now. They were tested at Syracuse, and that's probably when the crack started to show. They got tested at Syracuse. Then they played Eastern Michigan and South Carolina, who doesn't tell us anything. Then they beat Florida, but that was the first game with career suspended. So, of course, they were going to win that one. And then Western Kentucky didn't show anything. So, finally, kind of like Baylor – Finally, they have their first, like, legitimate game, and they get punched in the mouth by Alabama, and then they get a really physical Arkansas team who shuts down their one good dimension. And as good as Leonard Fournette is, he's a power runner. He's not going to, you know, juke and dance and and create something out of nothing. He needs a hole there. That line can't make holes when they've got eight or nine in the box. And Leonard Fournette's also not really much of a threat in the passing game. He's, like, ten catches on the year and that's counting the three he had against Arkansas. So I mean the offensive staff there, I think it's Cam Cameron still.
1: They're just yeah. not
2: they're just not using their weapons. And I think it comes down to the fact that
1: Brandon Harris is not a good enough quarterback. And that baffles me. I mean LSU they're perennially in the top ten. How do you not have a quarterback at this stretch? You know, you have Zach Mettenberger who played over his head, but how do you not have a quarterback? I mean, how do you not recruit behind Mettenberger? How do you? How can you not attract a top-level quarterback to your program who is going to contend for the national championship every year um, alongside Alabama? And they're you're going to be. Typically number two in the conference, just about every year. With the talent that they have, you have Leonard Fournette lining up behind you. How, how how could you not want to go there as a quarterback? I mean, is Brandon Harris really the best they could have done? If not, that's that's sad. I mean, they were. Supposed, I think those they, are the,
0: were what, they were supposed to have Gunnar Keel at one point, but uh, he he uh, he. I he mean, about seven is he
1: years ago? I mean, is he the answer really? I mean,
0: he's better. Than I don't who know. They got. That's for well, yeah,
1: but you know. Yeah. That's true.
2: I think that's the same question Florida fans are asking during the Must Champ era. And this is a what this is what this is a Yeah, I mean this is a what have you done for me lately? And let's be honest, Les Miles hasn't gotten over the Alabama hump the last few years. They haven't really been competing for, for titles, be it conference, be it National title? I mean, their last division title or their uh, last conference title, I should say, was 2011. They haven't even had a division title since then. They've had at least two league losses every year since. Uh, It's a fair question. It's a fair question to ask.
0: uh, absolutely well um i i think we gotta we, we gotta move on and before we have our true parting shots i want to know you know we're we're coming down to the home stretch i want to know who you guys have as your top 10 teams in the country right now so josh i guess we'll get started with you
1: hmm
2: oh, that's tough that is tough um i'm gonna go with I know they're 15th in the real poll, but I'm going to go with Stanford still as my number 10. I like that defense. I like Christian McCaffrey.
1: Okay. All right. Uh, Number 10, Michigan State. Um, I still think they, you know, they're playing at a high level. I think Stanford's just outside of the top 10 um, as of right now. But – I like Michigan State as my number ten.
0: Yeah, I I got I got Florida at number ten with a couple. With my honorable mentions that just missed out being North Carolina, Houston, and Stanford. So uh, Josh, number nine.
2: Uh, My number nine is the team that Coach had at ten. Sparty.
1: All right, mine is Baylor. I got Uh,
2: Baylor at nine. You and I are in
0: agreement there, Coach. I got I got Baylor at nine as well.
1: I still think they're a top ten team. I just think they ran into a buzzsaw with with Oklahoma. I just think they ran into and a better you know, matchup.
0: And they got two get freshman quarterbacks who only gonna get better. So yeah,
2: yeah exactly. Eight. Uh, my eight is the Oklahoma Sooners. Um, I would have them higher, but that that Texas game, despite being a rivalry, is still a little jarring for me. It's
1: such a weird game. Go. Uh, I got the Gators at number eight. I think uh, their defensive front seven gives them a chance. Their rushing attack gives them a chance, and they're getting better and better each week. Um, some battle-tested games. Um, a-, a head-scratcher against Vandy, that makes me question even putting them at number eight, but I like the Gators here. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I-, I got Sparty at number eight. I think that Nebraska lost. Obviously, that was the referee's fault. Um, I, you know, this is a semi-flawed team, but still with a, a, a great senior quarterback and pretty solid defense. Seven for you, Josh.
2: I got Oklahoma State. Uh, they've had a pretty soft schedule and that Iowa State game they didn't perform too well in. And then the way we saw TCU struggle, even without Boykin. I know Boykin going down was big, but the way TCU struggle against Kansas, I'm not sure you can – you know, fall in love with that win as much anymore.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, number seven, I like I like Oklahoma. Um, they're, you know, they're getting better each week. Baker Mayfield, um, incredible in, in, in the Baylor game. Uh, P. Ryan is just really starting to turn into a playmaker for the Sooners, and they're just getting back to, you know, the early 2000 Sooners where you could count on them to win the Big 12 each and every year.
0: Yeah, uh, Coach, I think you stole my list. I got the Sooners at, tw- at seven as well. All right, Josh, number six.
1: My number six is the
2: Florida Gators. I'm a, defense, I'm a defense-minded person, and I think they have the second-best defense in the SEC, second only to Alabama. I think if you were to spell out the best defenses nationally, they
1: are pretty far up there as well, so I'll go with the Gators. Six for you, Coach. Six. For me, is is the Irish? Um, I, probably a little lofty for them. I don't know. Maybe maybe too low for them. I, I don't I don't know exactly where they fit in this. The, the whole top six is kind of is kind of foggy. But I, I like the Irish. They're they're getting it done. Uh, Deshaun Kaiser starting to turn into, uh, the quarterback that they're looking for, um, that they were looking for in Everett Golston, the one they were looking for Malik Zaire, which Malik Zaire might still be that guy. We don't know. Cause he got hurt. Um, well,
0: I, I, I,
1: I, I think that Zaire, Zaire can't
0: come back and be the, and be the guy. This is Kaiser's team coach. You yeah. definitely saw my list. I also have the Irish number six. So just pretty much echo everything you said. They got a great defense. A um, lot yep. of office and really great skill players, but worries me that uh, CJ Procise did not play in this game this weekend and his status going forward is questionable. They're pretty thin at running back behind him. So, um, you know, that, that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, so, uh, Josh, who's at uh, big number five?
2: I get the Iowa Hawkeyes. Um, I want to see them have a real road kill game. Um, all these teams above them or around them, frankly, have had games where they've completely annihilated someone. I think Iowa has an opportunity to do that next week against Purdue, make a statement, show sure that they can get up for a weak opponent and have the defense hold them to 10 points or less and have the offense drop another 500-yard game on someone. I'd, I'd like to see that and, and really make a statement because, uh, let's be honest, they've they kind of skate by in some of these games.
1: Coach? I like the Hawkeyes again, uh, getting better each and every week, ten and 0. Um if if you 're undefeated at this point, you do deserve a top five ranking um, if you're in a power five conference so I like the Hawkeyes uh, maybe they can make a push towards the uh, towards the playoff
0: yeah playoff. coach i want I, I want to echo that idea of uh if you're undefeated in a power five conference uh you know you, you should be the top five team right now, and i've got the Cowboys of Oklahoma State at number five in my poll. Um, you know, what uh, like Josh said, not not the strongest of schedules, but they keep putting up wins every week, and that quarterback tandem is is looking good. They, uh, I love how they're using Jw Walsh, and you know he, uh, and they he didn't run for the winning touchdown. He threw for the winning touchdown this week. That's a big step in the evolution of this team. Um, all right, Josh, so who is the number four seat, the the last team in in your playoff?
2: Well, I don't want to be like. Paul Feinbaum is to Iowa and just be an Oakie State hater. But people do realize this team for the loss to Texas beat Kansas State by two and almost lost at West Virginia, right? But, but, they, but they didn't. I, I know. I'm just saying if they, they lose, you know, if they get creamed in bedlam or lose to Baylor, I, I'll be the first to say I told you so. Uh, <laughs> uh, my, so fourth? My, my fourth place team is the Zombie Irish. I don't know how they are still walking. Uh, I think a lot of it has to do with a pretty special defense. You look at some of their points and yards allowed, and they're, they're holding teams to a lot less than they normally are. Uh, I think Navy is a good example of that. I think holding Clemson to 24 points is a good example of that. Um, I know their national points allowed is 31st, which isn't as impressive as I'm making it out to be. But to me, the eye test of their defense – Tells me they're playing pretty good defense. All right, Coach,
0: last game well, for you.
1: I like the Cowboys at this moment. That's not to say that the Sooners won't uh, bust the door down and, uh, and and make an interesting debate between Notre Dame and Oklahoma, um, but I like the Cowboys at this moment. Um, a lot of gritty wins under their belt. They're definitely probably the most battle-tested uh, team in this whole ranking um, because they've had the most—I don't want to say tough games because the difficulty wasn't there, but games in which they had to figure out a way to to, to come out and win. That that could that could help them, and that certainly could hinder them all in the same all in the same token. But right now, I like the Cowboys at number four. Um, I got the Hawkeyes at number four. Uh, you know what they. They, they keep finding ways
0: to win, and even though Minnesota was able to put 35 on them, I still like the defense a lot. Desmond King, like I said before, one of my favorite defensive backs in the country. And I just, I, you know, B3rd is still looking still still looking pretty good. Uh, it's strange that B3rd, uh, it looks like a win-win situation for both uh, Iowa and Jake Rudock. He had, he had six touchdowns this past week, which I thought was very strange. Can
2: you say his name again?
0: R- Jake Rudock. No, it's CJ PJ B3rd?
2: Okay, interesting. How do
0: you everyone,
2: I know. Uh, it seems like everyone says Beathard. Beathard? Okay, well, maybe it's
0: Bethard. You never know. I, no, I, I, I like that. Beathard. I say Beathard because uh, that's just the way I am. So, uh, uh, Josh, number three. Well, cool. My number three
2: is this is a little scandalous, but Clemson. And right. they just seem a little too disinterested for me. They gave up 41 points since State. Like Syracuse hang around. And this is kind of the opposite of Clemson. So they're, or uh, Notre Dame, so they're 18.1 points allowed, which is 15th in the country. But they shut out, got off of Miami, and held both App State and Wofford to 10 points, which is really helping their stats. Look at some of their other games. A lot of yards and 22 points to Notre Dame, 24 points to Georgia Tech. Like I said, the NC State, the Syracuse games. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb, and about a week or two ago, I didn't think, and I didn't think the Tar Heels had a chance in the ACC title game. I think that's going to be a fascinating game. Tar Heels might be the hottest team in the country right now. Absolutely, Fedora's. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, they, it,
0: it, it's them. It's them or the Sooners. They're the two hottest teams right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, Fedora must have listened to our podcast, our our, our <laughs> preview, uh, our, our uh,
0: preview where he said he was on the hot <laughs> seat.
1: Yeah, but he's like, screw the hot seat.
0: <laughs> yeah, he <can> coach, <laughs> gonna put, off. Uh, coach, who you got at number three?
1: I got the Buckeyes uh, right now, and, and they're only at number three because uh, because of my number two team. Um, but, uh, you know, one through three is kind of a toss-up. But, you know, the Buckeyes are, are playing very steady right now. They're just kind of chilling right there. Um, yeah, they're lying in the weeds. I don't know how – I don't know why I dropped them, but I did. Um because I think the I think my number one and number two are, are probably you know, at this point, I feel like my number one and my number two could line up and beat them. Well, well, if Josh, if you thought that
0: Clemson was a, a weird choice at number three, I guess mine's even weirder because uh, I'm going with the Tide um, at number three because I know they they've they, they been looking strong, but they've. They, I, I still have to hold that Ole Miss loss against them somehow. I can't put. I cannot with with a good with a good conscience put them over Ohio State or Clemson um, with a loss um, to an old to a you know a relatively pedestrian Ole Miss team um, you know that that we've seen at home. <laughs> You know, I mean, it'd be one thing to lose on the road, but they lost at home to an average to, to an average Ole Miss squad. So I still have to hold that up against them a little bit. I know that they've been looking like world beaters lately, but I, I, I can't put them over Clemson and Ohio State at this point.
2: So, uh, Josh, uh, you're a number two seed. Well, I'm putting them over. <laughs> I, I like Alabama. I think that the Ole Miss game – was just a rare time where Saban out himself. He didn't start Coker. They had five turnovers. I just don't think that was indicative of them. And, Wait, and I mean, are, you, are you just saying the game doesn't count, though? Like, uh, No, I'm not saying it doesn't count. And, I, you know, I, I'm not saying that. I just think that that front seven is so good. And I, I think if they were to replay that game, and it's not fair to say that, but... I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Alabama, we took game nine times out of ten, but yeah. it was the one time I, I, that occurred. Uh, the one thing that I want to go back to when we mentioned North Carolina was, uh, did you guys see Switzer on his uh, touchdown run? I did not. Oh, but he put up the U? Yeah. Yeah, I love yeah. that. Did you see that, Coach? He did the U side yeah. and then put it down. That, that was, was awesome.
0: Yeah, um, that was that – was almost, almost as good as the Auburn kicker doing the gator chop to the entire – to all the Swamp.
1: <laughs> and, and what's sad is that no Miami fan probably saw that because at this point, I don't think any Miami fans are, are watching. Um, I'd I'd love to see the next Miami home game. Uh, there's probably going to be a lot of fans disguised as teal-colored seats or <laughs> orange-colored seats, whatever color it is in Sun Life Stadium at this point. But uh, that'll be very interesting. Uh, but to uh, to get off this tangent, Josh, I agree with you on Bama. Uh, Bama's my number two. You know they have Heisman contender, likely Heisman front runner Derrick Henry. He rushed for over 200 yards again. Um, they absolutely pistol whipped Mississippi State, a team that was supposed to come in and compete with them. Um, competed with them for the first quarter, and then Bama decided to turn it on. Um, the thing is, Coker still sucks. They, have, they, still have, they still have no quarterback, but it doesn't matter. Uh, they have Derrick Henry. Um, they have Calvin Ridley who can take a t- short hitch route fifty yards th- to the yeah, house.
0: Rid- 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 Ridley definitely a, a real good weapon. I've got um I got Clemson Tigers at number two and, and the front seven. Yeah, the front seven. I I, I got I got I got Clemson at number two. Um, like Josh said, you know they, they've looked a little bit disinterested lately. And I think that um that, that worries me a little bit, especially going when they're gonna have uh you know, a a tough North Carolina team in the in the A C title game. So uh, Well
2: Josh. Um, I think just to put a bow on the whole Alabama Clemson debate at number two versus number three, I think the thing with Alabama is they've got We've talked about how you throw the record out during rivalry games. They still have a trip to the Plains, which I'm sure some people are scoffing at, but you know Auburn would love nothing more than to ruin Alabama's oh. season. And then the SEC title game, I had my questions about, about LSU with Brandon Harris. If they had a one-dimensional game, Coach, you'll be proven right in that title game if, if uh, Florida's defense really shuts down Henry. We'll see if Coker can put the team on his back.
1: Yeah, and he'll he'll have to at that point. Um so he's gonna have to in the next couple of weeks against a mighty Charleston Southern team and uh, on the Plains <laughs> against Auburn, he's gonna have to figure out something because uh or he's gonna have to figure out how to get the ball to Calvin Ridley um, on the perimeter. Um, you know, Kenyon Drake broke his arm, so that'll be a that'll be a tough blow for the tide, but he gone. Uh, yeah, he gone. But hey, uh don't don't sleep on the Charleston State Buccaneers. The Charleston Southern Buccaneers, yeah, they're 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 a tough one, man. They're they're gonna be a tough out. But right, they, they, they lost, lost forty, they lost forty four to sixteen to Troy this week.
2: Oh, <laughs> that's, that's
1: bad. Well, Josh,
0: my process illumination sounds like you got the Buckeyes number one. Yeah, I
2: do. Um, I don't, don't know. Not too
0: happy it. about it.
2: No, I mean they they just haven't played anyone yet. I mean, let's be honest, uh, Virginia Tech's their toughest game. And they passed that test with flying colors. Uh, Alabama, uh, Indiana gave them a run a little bit. Uh, Minnesota kind of in the late stage of the game made it a game. But uh, the to quote a great rap song, the real uh, say Buc- Buckeyes will stand up this Saturday when they finally play a team that has someone who can give them fits. And Connor Cook, if healthy, will certainly be able to give them fits and – that's what we'll figure out about Ohio State, but yeah, I mean it's it's hard to be too up on them because they're a lot like Clemson. They've just kind of been a little disinterested, I think, lately. Yeah.
0: Coach, you got you got so you got the Tigers number one.
1: Yeah, I got the Tigers number one. I mean they're number one right now, and you know until they're You're also they're married up. to a tiger. So I, uh,
0: kind I, of a I, I hope kick, that, I hope that's
1: not influencing you at all. When when uh, when the Tigers are actually interested. They're pretty dangerous i mean Deshaun watson is a heisman uh is a heisman co front runner with Derrick Henry right now he's a special quarterback uh still maintaining for him a c c player of the year as well will likely win the maxwell will likely get his hand full of hands full of uh, hardware there yes. but uh, you know it you know, there's been some games where they've looked disinterested you know and and you know they've played some tough games intermittent through the season and you know. The, you know, I don't think they're used to being in this position. And sometimes, I, I think honestly, they they did overlook Syracuse. I guarantee you, they they probably they were probably looking ahead. It was a classic trap game for them. They were looking ahead to North Carolina. Um, you know, that became a trap game. It wasn't at the beginning of the season, but it became one uh, certainly because the way North Carolina is playing right now. So it'll it'll be you know down the stretch they'll probably likely snap back into shape. They'll they'll kick South Carolina's butt. Um, you know, they'll likely get a gritty win against North Carolina. They'll kick South Carolina's butt. Uh, they'll get another gritty win in the ACC championship. And, uh, you know, they'll, they'll roll into the playoff battle-tested, um, as battle-tested as you can be playing an ACC uh, conference schedule. And uh, they'll likely draw um, – my prediction is um, they'll likely draw Oklahoma or Notre Dame in the first round uh, and then square off against Bama – so that'll be. I think Bama will get its revenge against Ohio State this year. Um, well, so. yeah, I mean that's. Uh, yeah, that that sounds
0: about right. I don't know. I've got Ohio State at number one, uh, just because I think they're starting to turn on a little bit. I think this Illinois game was 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 a place that they really started to turn the corner and started to the defense. They're the
1: same team. I mean, that you know, Ohio State and Clemson as of right now. I would I would have never said this coming into the season, but. At this point in the season, they're the same team; they're following the same story. Yeah, that's I,
0: a that, that, uh, that's a very interesting insight you got there, coach. Well, we got we're running over time, so we gotta wrap things up here. Any last words from you guys?
2: Yeah, my uh, my parting shot is just a quick shout out to the South Florida Bulls. This is a team that uh, five years ago beat Clemson in a bowl game. Uh, Jim LeVette really. Uh, Laid a foundation, got fired under some some questionable circumstances, and for whatever reason, Skip Holtz just was not a good fit. He won eight games, five games, three games. Willie Taggart comes in two games his first year, four wins his next year, but they're up to six this year as they blew the barn doors off Temple. And hashtag year of the running back. How about Marlon Mack for the Bulls? Twenty-one carries, two thirty. That's an eleven-point average. Two touchdowns along a long of fifty-seven. Way to go, Bulls! uh, Yeah, they got Cincinnati next and then woeful Central Florida. So you got to think that they have got a good shot to go eight and four. Who would have predicted that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, My parting shot, um, if you're looking for exciting football, do not look towards the SEC. Uh, You have Florida squaring off against the mighty Owls of FAU. South Carolina hosting the Citadel. You have LSU Ole Miss is likely the game of – actually is the game of the week. Um, Alabama hosting the Mighty Bucks of Charleston Southern. Um, Auburn hosting Idaho. Georgia hosting Georgia Southern. Um, and at least Auburn is playing uh, an FBS team. UGA, uh, Georgia, Georgia Southern. Southern is now,
0: I, I keep forgetting Georgia Southern is uh, an FBS team. So, yeah.
1: So, so uh, Charlotte.
0: Down, um, week you, in, that, down week in the SEC.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Then you have Kentucky facing off against uh, the 49ers of UNC Charlotte. Um, the only the only other two conference ga- or the only other three games um, that are against conference foes. Arkansas takes on Mississippi State. They'll likely uh, curb stomp them. Tennessee is playing uh, Missouri, and A and M is taking on Vanderbilt. So, uh, very non interesting week of SEC football. So I'm a, my my eyes are gonna obviously go to the Georgia, Georgia Southern game because I'm interested to see what Georgia Southern's got. But other than that, I'm going to be looking around uh, towards other conferences for, for the big-time games like Iowa-Purdue. Oh, yeah,
0: Iowa-Purdue. Well, thank you, guys. And so on behalf of the Coach Coy Burton and on behalf of our blogger Josh Cook, I am the Professor Matt Perkins saying so long and see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. Yeah. Yeah.